0: Welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm here for you. Today we're going to talk about ways to stop tolerating abuse. Abuse you may not even have recognized that is happening now or that happened earlier in your life. Maybe you'll hear something today that you really need to hear. It's my hope that you will. You're not alone. It's not your fault. You are not to blame. And I'll help you use that redirected energy to recover and to rediscover you, your values, your dreams, your desires, and then realize them in healthy ways and in healthy relationships at home and at work. I'm so glad you're here. Hi and welcome to the Relationship Help Show. This is Dr. Shaler. I'm really excited you're here and I hope you are a returning person listening to the show. And if you're not, I'm even more excited because now you've found us. So welcome to the Relationship Help Show, Handling Hijackal Havoc. And for those of you who are not familiar with the term hijackal, those are the very difficult, toxic people in our lives, and you may have met one or two of those. So there's a lot of good insights, information, inspiration, and strategies for you here. And on today's show, Wow! Um first of all, I'm going to talk a bit about how to know if you're just being overly sensitive or you are actually being abused. And then we're going to do something we have never done before on this show. And that is to have a couple of people talking with me, responding to something that happened in the news just a couple of days ago. And that was when United States gymnast, Olympic gymnast, Ali Raisman, went to court to face the doctor for the team who had abused many, many people over a 30-year period. And she stood up and faced him, 23 years old, absolutely amazing. And you'll find that article on my Facebook page, Relationship Help Doctor. So go and have a look there. I may put it on the Relationship Help Show page too on Facebook. Just facebook.com slash relationshiphelpshow. And so I've invited two friends who have been on the show before, Liberty Forest and Christine Baumgartner. And we are discussing what is abuse? Why don't we step up? What happens? Why do people ignore this when even it's reported? Why are people so uncomfortable with the topic that they brush it under the rug? Why has this been going on for so long? And how are we going to stop this? We've had the Me Too movement. We've now got the Time's Up movement. And pretty soon we'll have the movement. I'm starting with my new book coming out this summer, Stop Tolerating Abuse, Speak Up, and Stand Strong. And that's going to really give people the insights that they need to move forward with their lives and recognize what's going on. And if they have recognized it, how to recover. So very important. But we all need to know that it's time to stop tolerating abuse anywhere from anybody in any system. So that conversation is a powerful one. And you can look at my guests, Liberty Forrest and Christine Baumgartner. They've been with me before. I just grabbed them really quickly because they're women with opinions and a lot of experience in their particular fields. So I hope you will enjoy that. And as I said, it's a first for the show. In fact, what the first is, not only that it's a panel, but that I have devoted three segments to it. So sit back and think about these things. Grab yourself a lovely cup of decaffeinated something warm and just listen and allow yourself to think about these things so thanks for being here i'm so glad you are if you want more information go to fourrelationshiphelp.com and if you like videos go to my video channel on youtubecom help. we'll be right back with this great information for you today <laughs> Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit 4relationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. This is Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship help Doctor. And one of the things that I notice is many times with my clients, from no matter where they are in the world, it's almost as though they don't want to say what is happening to them is abuse. They may think it They may wonder about it, but they never want to say that it is. They don't want to be definitive about it. And they don't want to call it that. And I can understand that. You can probably understand that too. I mean, who wants to think of themselves as being abused? A, that's not wonderful. B, that's disempowering. C, if you recognized it and gave it a name, you may feel that you must do something about it and you may not be ready to. So I wanted to just explore a few thoughts today with you about the question of, am I overly sensitive or is it actually abuse? And you know, if you have to ask that question, it probably is abuse. And why is that? Well, your partner or your mother or whomever it is that you're thinking of knows that you'll accept the blame, that you'll take it on. It's a pattern. Everything is always your fault, and he or she will make sure you know that so, not only does that partner or other person beat you down, but then you take it on and you beat yourself up, accepting that you'll never be good enough, and maybe even thinking you deserve this bad behavior from them. And hijackles those difficult, toxic people in life, they know this. They count on this. And verbal abuse can quickly turn into emotional abuse. And that's a big step that you don't want to be part of either. So why do you think you may be overly sensitive? Let's explore that for a minute. Usually it's because your partner has repeatedly told you so. Have you ever noticed that these toxic people always want to be blaming you and they love to tell you that you don't have a sense of humor or you're too sensitive or you just can't take a joke or whatever? And maybe you were told the same thing at home. So that's not good. It's all a setup. When you've lived with chronically difficult people at home, verbal abuse comes to somehow seem quote-unquote normal. And that's sad, but it's true. And the same is so with emotional abuse, and that's often far less obvious. So outbursts, attacks, accusations, they're quite overt, and sometimes even in public, and more overt than the private, demeaning, degrading, and demanding remarks. And then there are those silent, seething treatments that emotionally abusive people give us. So it takes healthy doses of self-respect, courage, conviction, and of course, strength to express and maintain strong boundaries. And you've heard me speak about that in other parts. It takes that same strength to clarify, express, and maintain strong boundaries in the face of your abuser. And yes, I'm going to call it as it is, your abuser. Because as I said, most people who are being abused don't like to recognize it as abuse. So I'm going to help you get the idea that maybe you could accept this. You may be so used to the nasty behaviors because they're familiar from your childhood, and that early home life can set you up to not recognize the abuse for what it is. You've learned to make excuses, to rationalize their behavior, maybe even justify their behavior. You might say things like, oh, he or she is under a lot of pressure right now, or he doesn't mean it if you only knew what he has been through, or I'm not a good, sensitive, thoughtful, considerate, anything person, or I wouldn't be so annoying or irritating or frustrating to her. Or maybe you put yourself down. I'm such a scatterbrain. I can't remember things, so I'm lucky to have someone like him in my life to keep me (laughs) self-aware. Oh no. Do any of these sound like your self-talk? You have thoughts, feelings, needs, and wants, and you're entitled to them. You also have every right to express them. And you need to be willing to be assertive about them. When you recognize and validate these things within yourself, then you're on your way to recognizing verbal abuse and emotional abuse and to stop putting up with it. So you need to learn new and effective strategies to create healthier dynamics in your relationships, especially with a hijackal. And remember, my definition of hijackals are the relentlessly difficult people who hijack relationships for their own purposes, while relentlessly scavenging them for power, status, and control. Does that sound familiar? Is that what's going on in your relationship? Hijackals don't set out to abuse you. They know that. They're simply doing what they believe they need to do to survive. They're very damaged. But they do set out to seduce and exploit. And that's what's going on in your relationship. And that can make you feel small, marginalized, unworthy, and powerless. And that, that is emotional abuse. Got it? If somebody is doing things consistently that continually are intended To make you feel small, unworthy, powerless, insignificant, that is emotional abuse. And yes, you could argue that nobody can make you feel anything, but if the person is intending to put you down, to belittle you, to degrade you, to make you small, to have power over you, that is emotional abuse. It's stealth abuse, it's bullying. In fact, it's verbal terrorism, and I, that's what I think, and it mostly happens when no one is looking, listening, or even around to defend you. These toxic people have predictable patterns. As I said, they're demeaning and dismissive and destructive, and they're very damaging to you. They engage in verbal abuse without even thinking about you or your feelings for a nanosecond. It's all about them and all about them winning and all about them getting their needs met. And it's all about them having power over you in some way at all times. So maybe you're thinking, oh, they don't have power over me. Let me give you some ways that shows that they do. You worry about what they'll think every time you are making a decision as to what to say or do. Or you're concerned about pleasing them all the time. Maybe you avoid doing anything to upset them. Maybe even telling the truth about something. You avoid that. Maybe you make excuses for their outrageous, inappropriate outbursts and demands. Are you going to a friend and defending them? Maybe you somehow think you deserve their wrath or their blame or their put downs. They've taught you to believe that. They have power over if you put up with their threats. And if you always feel like you're dancing on eggshells and looking over your shoulder for the next assault, you can be sure that they have power over you and that it is abusive. So if those things are true, they have power over you and Until this moment, because I hope that's not going to be another moment of it, you're surrendering to it. And it's time to recognize the verbal abuse and stop tolerating the emotional abuse. So my question at the beginning was one I thought you might be asking, am I too sensitive or is it really abuse? Well, no, you're not too sensitive if all these things are true that I've been talking about just now, you're likely being verbally abused and emotionally exploited by a master manipulator. It's time to have a look at that. And if you'd like to look at that with me, we're on. We will meet by video conferencing and have a good look and solve this problem. Just go to com, and you'll see the tab that says work with Dr. Shaler. Talk soon. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you were emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now. Visit slash join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon. slash join Well, welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. You all know that, and I'm here with my guests, Liberty Forrest and Christine Baumgartner, and we're doing something really special today. It's a last minute, just jumped in to do it because this is a pressing issue today. You may have had the opportunity. It was certainly on Facebook. It's been in the news to hear what Allie Raisman had to say, the U.S. gymnast who was facing her abuser in court, Larry Nassar. And she was phenomenal, right, ladies? Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> she was Just like oh so strong and so powerful and whomever helped her if they did help her to put those words on paper really extracted a strong strong heartfelt message and I'm sure that was a lot of how Ali felt and the other women who were abused and so it's very important to talk about things on the show that are topical and I wanted to do that so before we get into the meat of the issue how about giving us a 30-second introduction to each of you. Why don't you go first, Liberty?
1: Um, Hello, and thank you so much for inviting me to be here today because, you know, this is a topic near and dear to my heart because of a lot of abuse in in my past as well, like so many other people, unfortunately. Um, I've turned that into uh, my work, as many of us do. And um, I'm a a psychic medium, but I also use those abilities to offer guidance to people who are struggling with all kinds of issues. And I can't tell you how often it comes up that there's some sort of abuse that's holding them back, that's keeping them stuck, and I can often see
2: into those issues and help them move forward.
0: Excellent. And Christine?
2: So I am a dating and relationship coach and am... often coaching people that have had some abuse in their past. Excuse me. And what I find is they continue, as you know, Roberta, for sure, that they continue to be attracted to abusers and abusers are attracted to them. And the, what part does that have to do with them? And often I am a big proponent of them having some therapy before they come and see me. And then we work through the rest of it and just get them in the habit of starting to date the right kind of people. So if they find that they're seeing a trend, have some therapy and then come see me because I can turn that part around for sure.
0: That's great. And if you want to get in touch with Christine Baumgartner, you can go to theperfectcatch.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Liberty Forest, go to libertyforest.com. And Forest, in that case, has two R's. So thinking about all this, I was just saying to these women just before we came on air that I remember being flown in in British Columbia to a conference where I was going to be a speaker and everybody flew in, it was a small center, and there were seven of us women presenters sitting around a table, and one of the women was going to talk about abuse And so we were all kind of fascinated. And this is about 20 years ago. So, you know, not the current statistics. And the woman said, well, you know, strong women... Most of them have been abused. Let's just find out. And we went around the table and every single woman there who was there to speak and lead at the conference had been abused. So this is something that has gone on for a very long time and has been unspoken in the way that it ought to have been spoken about for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So... Now is the moment, and we have the Me Too movement, we have the Harvey Weinstein thing, we have the Kevin Spacey thing, we have all of these things going on right now. So let's grasp that moment and talk about this. Because here we have a man, the, the uh, physician who was in charge of all of the girls on the gymnastics team, and here he has been doing this, sexually abusing them for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that she was talking about is how could you take that away? How could you, somebody who we had to trust, we had to trust, and we needed we needed adult figures around us because we were away from our families often, and how could you do that?
1: That's exactly why or how he could do that is he had the opportunity and there was no one around to make it make it stop
0: right and it turns out that even though they the girls would allude to what was happening I don't know how vociferously they would do it but they would certainly make it known that they were uncomfortable and nobody listened to them so one of the things that happens in the abuse cycle that and maybe has happened to these girls as well I don't know but I would guess is that when you are uncomfortable and you Don't feel powerful because there's an authority figure who is perpetrating the abuse. It's very difficult to find your voice, don't you think?
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things
0: they also stressed,
2: and you've told me about this, is the grooming part. He was nice to them. He brought them presents. He complimented them. So he wooed them, and they kept thinking, well gosh, maybe it's not what he says is fine. So maybe it is fine because he likes me and he's nice to me. And when you're that young, of course, you're going to believe it. Of course, you're going to believe it.
0: Well, sure. And, and these girls are just uh, puberty and just past. So they're, they're not in the sexual part of their lives when they, they meet this gentleman. They're, they're just blooming into that hormone area of life. They're uncertain. They're away from home a lot. They don't have the confidants that they would have if they weren't doing this very, very exceptional job that they do. And who do they turn to? and who's safe to turn to because that's a big question for all of us don't you think
1: yeah. yeah i think part of the problem too is that you were talking about the grooming it's also that the girls are thinking well but i like him i don't i don't i can't go report him or i can't you know they don't want to be mean they don't want to hurt him because they like him it's part of that whole grooming thing and they want him
2: to like them back and they want the other authorities to like them back they have to be good girls they have to behave I mean, what she stressed a lot was it was an honor to go to this camp. You were selected to go to this camp. Not everybody got to go to this very extensive, um, critical kind of training that would make you Olympic material. And he was the doctor there. And for every injury, any injury, he was the physician of treatment. Yeah, so you don't have
0: any opportunities. There's no options. <laughs> it, so what do you do? You say you're not hurt, so you, you don't go, you, but you need to be, make sure that you're not going to be hurt. <laughs> I mean, what an incredible thing. And people, any people who have power over us are going to be in that situation with that ability to actually damage us. Mm-hmm you know and that's what happens like i was surprised to find as i was preparing for tonight then the 2017 statistics say that on average nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the united states and that's, that was, those
1: are the ones that are reporting it which is another part of the problem
0: exactly so in 2017 that would be more than 10 million men and women were physically abused by an intimate partner in 2017. And as you say, Liberty, those are the people who actually spoke about it and were vocal about it. So there are so many, there are so many issues. Of course, that's a high profile case, but we start thinking about what happens at home. You know, you were making a very good point, Liberty, before we started um, about how this can become normalized and christine you were saying the same like what happens when you've got that going on at home and then you go and you find it it's there too right
1: yeah and another i was going to say a minute ago um on the subject of things happening at home it could also be part of the reason that uh, girls didn't speak up as much as they they wanted to is maybe maybe things were miserable at home maybe there was no dad at home or not around a lot and they're looking for that attention and approval from him because he's the only male figure and maybe because there's no other male they think that's the way it's supposed to be even Mm -hmm. though it doesn't feel good because there's that thing in us that just inherently knows this isn't right but but We don't verbalize that as little kids. We don't know. But if that's what you're shown, and if that's the only male role model you've got, you might think, well, it doesn't feel very good, but I guess it's normal. And I really like him. And he's the only man in my life who is showing me any attention. So it could have been a part of why maybe some of the girls wouldn't have felt comfortable in really, you know, being the squeaky wheel, so to speak.
2: Mm -hmm. Such a good point. And then the other point is, because that was one of my first thoughts, I ended up sending an instant message back to Roberta going, what was happening with the parents? So mm-hmm. I found a couple of other interviews, and I believe what they said, and this is in the early 2000s. I mean, think, so current. They said, we never we talked about stranger danger. We taught that to our children, but we never thought about so we didn't say if you're ever alone with an adult and they make you uncomfortable and there's somebody you know you need to speak up Mm because she said it was so brave she said if there was one place i could rewind or something i can impart to somebody that's listening this is what i'd say don't make them afraid of everybody but say if you're ever alone with an adult and they're making you uncomfortable i don't care if they're a family member a relative, a neighbor, a teacher, you have to say, you come tell me, you come tell somebody. Because as far as I could tell, you don't know anything about anybody's life. But I looked at some tapes and it looks like she had a really lovely home life that her parents seem pretty darn happy with each other and with their family. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't know to do this. I didn't know I needed to do this to protect my daughter.
1: You know, it doesn't always work, though. I mean, I told my my children that, the boys and the girls, and like you said, I said, if it's anybody, it doesn't matter who it is, you tell me, you tell me, you tell me, and it doesn't matter if they threaten you, it doesn't matter what they say, you tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, one of them, when she was eight years old, was very badly violated by a family friend and didn't tell me for a few years. All I saw was a dramatic change in her behavior. And Things really went spinning out of control after that. Mm. Nobody knew why till she was 13. Mm-hmm. No. But I had told her, I'd said, you tell. And he had a gun.
0: Mm. That mm. was the
1: thing. He had a gun with him and she was terrified. So she I was, would
0: imagine she was terrified.
1: Yeah, she thought he was, and she thought he was going to use it not just on her, but maybe on me. Mm. Even though I wasn't there, but um, it was, it was just the they- whole thing was so scary. So she didn't
2: dare tell. That's what they do. They threaten in any way they can to keep everybody quiet.
1: Even though I'd said that too, right? And even if if they threaten, it doesn't matter if they threaten, you tell.
0: Well, you know, we have to think about the fact of brain growth when we're having this conversation, you know, when, you know, stepping into the broader arena of anybody who's abused, not just Mm -hmm. talking about the Olympic team now, um, when you step into that arena and we think about brain development well a child doesn't have prefrontal lobe development until seven or eight years old so they think that everything that happens is there they caused it somehow you know so they they they're of that mind and then somebody tells them and don't you tell because you would be the bad person and terrible things would happen so it all gets internalized and then even after the frontal lobe development occurs it takes a few years to kind of figure it out (laughs) and straighten that out. So we have all that going. And then pretty soon we're into the hormone phase. And so there's a lot of external circumstances and internal circumstances that coalesce to make this really problematic. And I like what you're saying, Liberty, about even if you do tell, the child may not. And it could be due to, to the development of the brain at that point, as well as things that have are happening when someone's threatening them or whatever. And, you know, it happens to boys too. You know, I've certainly worked with people who have been abused, male and female, when they were young. And it it's the same situation because it's all hush hush and, and it's just between us. And there's that bond that's tried to create that trauma bond that, that abusers try to create. And it's a real difficulty. Well, you know, you to, said
1: about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, you said about the, the, that when we're up to seven or eight, the children think everything is their fault. Well, then you think about what it's like to be an abused woman or well, man, but in this case, we'll talk about women. Um, and you know speaking from personal experience and a lot of women that I've worked with over the years um, they're in a marriage they're grown women and they're still saying oh well it was my fault you know if I hadn't mm-hmm. said this or done that he wouldn't have hit me or he wouldn't have you know thrown the cat at the wall or whatever the thing was uh, they we still tend to take other people's behavior especially abusers behavior on us because that's part of the whole cycle right they they make us think it's our fault
0: Well, and we argue with ourselves. You know, I remember uh, being, uh, well, I call it raped on a date. And yes, I mean, I I didn't have the physical prowess to get rid of him. But I remember what was going on in my head, like, oh, well, you know, he's been to my house four times, and he brought flowers, and he did all of this. And I'm thinking... All of a sudden it strikes me, you know, this is what state is rape is that here I am. I don't know what I was, 36 or something. And I was thinking, how can this possibly not qualify for me making excuses for why this should not be something I say no to and throw this creature out of my house? Mm-hmm. And, and it gets really difficult. So there's a whole lot to talk about. And let's continue after the break. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing. To save your sanity and to stopping the crazy making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now and let's talk soon. Okay so welcome back to part two. Um, I'm here with my guests Liberty Forrest and Christine Baumgartner and we're talking about abuse and we've generalized the conversation now moving on from our beginning with the great uh, things that uh, Ali Raisman had to say when she was facing her abuser Larry Nassar the other day in court and now we're talking about abuse in general. So I'm going to broaden the conversation even further. We're talking about sexual abuse, and certainly that's got a lot of play. But there are other kinds of abuse. And, you know, one of the things that really, really is important to me to bring out is the ideas of verbal and emotional abuse, because these are still very, very under wraps in so many cases and it ties into what we were saying at the end of part one which is when do you know what's really going on and and how do you want to stop pleasing and not make the other person wrong (laughs) and so many pieces about confidence and assertiveness right Mm
2: -hmm. and control we don't have control over your own life at all
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, for us to think about emotional abuse, you know, it's not just somebody hurling insults at us or whatever. I mean, what are are things that are emotionally abusing? Like um, people intentionally embarrassing you or putting you down or preventing you from seeing your friends or family or telling you what to do and what to say or an adult partner deciding to treat you like a parent, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things. Many many people don't see as emotional abuse.
1: And, and verbal we, abuse. It's your fault that I did whatever. It's if, if, if it's you, you know, it's making other people responsible for your feelings. You make me so angry. That sort of rubbish.
2: And the other thing that happens too is a lot of it doesn't happen in public. In public mm. they're so cordial and warm to everybody else that if you say anything they're like, "No." You're not really talking about that person. They're not like that. Mm -hmm. You don't see
0: that. You know, that speaks to a a lot. I mean, you know on this program I'm always talking about hijackals. These people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then scavenge them for power, status, and control. And when when we're dealing with this whole business of emotional abuse – they have a wonderful way of painting the perfect picture in public <laughs> and then creating a private personal poison, no. right? <laughs> yeah.
1: They're so toxic. It's, it's just, it oozes out of them in private. But yes. yeah, they're charming and, uh, and so polite and flattering and flirting and all of that stuff. And then they treat you like you're just a goddess in front of other people.
0: Yes and then they're slowly and sometimes not so slowly picking at you pulling at you degrading you belittling you tearing you down and wearing you down mm-hmm. and after a while you begin to second guess yourself
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and that's a problem i mean mm-hmm. that that is a re- really big problem that they're actually counting on that you're going to start second guessing yourself
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: oh, sorry no, don't, don't apologize.
1: Jump in. <laughs> well, the, the issue of um, uh, control, we we feel like we have no control in those situations, but really uh, we're going to talk about it as if it's women being abused here and, and men that are the abusers, but of course it can be both ways. But just for the sake of ease, um, let's say the husband says, as you were saying before, you're not allowed to see these people. You're not allowed to go here, do this, eat that, wear that, whatever. Now, He's just given all the control to his wife or partner because now she gets to decide whether or not she's going to have this dance, whether or not she's going to play that game. And if she decides, actually, no, I'm going to do whatever I want. She's, you know, she's taken that control even by by making the choice to say yes or no. She does have all the control in that moment. But that's not how it feels when you're in it. It is the reality of it, though. She's got just as much
0: control, only it's doesn't feel that way well she does theoretically but if you happen to be with a hard fast abuser
1: oh that's what
0: i mean you know the more that you say no the more abuse you get
1: exactly that's (laughs) what i mean when you're in it you don't feel like you have the control but the reality is he's laid down the law but you don't have to say yes i'll play that game we just don't you don't know that when you're in it that's the problem
0: what do you think christine well and i
2: I was going to go back to one of the things I heard on another interview with Allie and they had apparently had a couple of young girls make older, make noises about him. And so an investigator asked Allie and she's like, well, no, you know, a little uncomfortable, but I think it was just medical treatment and I think he was doing what he was supposed to do. And, you know, I don't really know. And then the investigator left and then she, thought about it, you know, in this little more mature brain and said, no, I, I really do think it was abusive. So she called and they wouldn't talk to her anymore. Uh, they were oh. done. They were done. Mm-hmm. And so even when you say, well, maybe I can take a little bit of control, but if you don't have something to help you with this foundation you're trying to build of yourself that you have even just one person who's going to believe you you're going to get sucked back in.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And That's what happened to her. It was just yeah. such an amazing thing to hear that part in the interview because I know that that can absolutely happen.
0: Right. So another adult betrayed her
2: mm-hmm.
0: because the adult, adult said, "Well, time's up for you having any <laughs> input on this." And and, you know, I don't mean, I mean, that sounded like a laugh. I don't mean laugh. I mean, it's just no, so incredulous that, that you, you can't, you know, it's sort of automatic. Like, who does that? Unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in my work with hijackles, I have 10 hallmarks of hijackles, And the, num- the 10th one is exactly that, incredulity. Like, they do something and your brain goes, who does that? Who says that? Who thinks that way? you know? And, and then immediately, because you're kind of a, uh, used to doing it, you jump in and start making excuses and justifications and rationalizations for why they do that. And no, stick with that visceral response, like, how dare you? Who thinks that way? Who does that? And go screaming and yelling, <laughs> saying, no, you can't do that. But we're already in
2: that rut that brainwashing rut and we've tried to get out and poof we fall back in that brainwashing rut again mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think that that's true and so the whole point of having this conversation is to shed light on these different kinds of abuse because there is something in in the verbal Im- Im- and emotional abuse realm that i want to bring up which is that people abusers will try to make you feel guilty or immature when you don't consent to sexual behavior mm-hmm. and when you catch people in those early teenage years and you know they like to behave like they're a little older than they are and then they're very susceptible to being made feel guilty because they don't, they're immature. They, they don't really want to be an adult, right?
2: Yeah. Because if you did
0: want to be an adult, you would want to do this. Exactly. And, you know, there's this whole thing that abusers do and hijackers do it too, which is smear campaigns. Like if you don't, They will threaten a smear campaign. If you don't do what I want, I'll tell everybody that you are this kind of a person. Or, uh, you know, they'll say something bad about you. And what hijackles do is that if you reject them in any way, then they go through all the back channels they possibly can. They tell lies to your parents, to your friends, to your family, to your employer, to anybody who will listen because they can't be wrong. Yeah, they, try and, to get the, they get the
1: colluding thing happening, and they try to get these people on their side against you as well.
0: Yeah, and, and it's so... Insidious in our culture, so this is a big like wake up everybody call because think about the the people in your life. Think about the people who are maybe appearing quite passive, or your sense of them is is that they're a little frightened, or they're 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 stepping back. Even people who have a hard exterior sometimes maybe that they're they're people who are protecting themselves in ways. Um, that that they feel like they have to be strong, and you brought that up earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah, about the saying that when my whole life I, I had to be like that. I grew up in a very abusive, toxic environment, and there was it never even crossed my mind to ask anyone for help or to lean on anyone. So I always said that you know I was sort of proud of this strength that was the thing that got me through, and it was like this suit of armor, and it was um, somewhere into I think probably my 30s before I understood that uh, that strength was killing me. It was making me really physically and emotionally sick. I was in terrible shape because I was just taking on so much all the time and I didn't know how to lean. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't think it was okay. Nobody ever said it was okay. And then when I started hearing maybe it was and I tried it, it didn't usually go very well. But I got better. I kept practicing. But, yeah, that strength that was my protector eventually just about killed me.
0: And that's such an important piece because I remember that, too. You know, I had had a time in my life when I had to take my child to the hospital, and I had tried really hard because she was, like, 18, 20 months old, and that's a very, very difficult time for separation anxiety and the doctor was very cognizant of that and he said you know keep her at home as much as possible you know take her to the ER then take her home and eventually she was so ill that I in the middle of the night I had to take her in and I took my mother with me and my mother was a hijackal and we're leaving leaving early in the morning listening to her screams from a pavilion as we're walking away and my mother turned to me and I'll never forget this she said, you are the strongest person I know. And you know, at the moment, I was stunned because my mother never gave me a compliment. But after that, I really broke that down and thought, ah, yeah, you prized that because you never stepped in and stopped the abuse. You never did any of those things. So now I'm strong because you didn't do your job. Hmm right? And that's like no glory. I mean, sure. It's great to know how to be strong and it's great to know all of that. But it's also, like you said, Liberty, so important to be able to know you have that in your toolbox. With my clients, I call that learn to turn on the Teflon. (laughs) Know that that you, you can put on the Teflon if you need to, but also know that you have a Velcro side. And you know when there's time for vulnerability, there's time to let people in, there's time to have closeness, and then you can have a healthy relationship because you know how to balance equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. But if you get into that Teflon side all the time, very, very difficult.
2: Yeah, even with good people that you would think, wow, I'd like to have them in my life. You don't know how to do that. You don't know how to ask for help. You don't know how to ask for support. You don't know how to lean in because you've just had to be standing like a big Oak tree all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's when the women I coach and I've coached a couple of abused men that they don't, they have this really good person standing in front of them and they don't understand why it's not working because Mm -hmm. there can't be any, as you put it, mutuality. They don't know how to do it. The other person's giving and taking and, there's only one way. There's only the Velcro wave or the, only the Teflon wave for them. They don't know how. It's so sad. Right. It is. is they're brainwashing and they're conditioning and the only way they're still alive because of what happened to them before. But learning is that everything is a coin and you have two sides of the same coin. And how do you balance it so that your life is as good as it can be? And that's what you're talking about. How to balance that.
0: Yes. Because there's something no
2: Velcro, it's only Teflon with them, and then learning that you can have Velcro with some people. Mm-hmm. But if you don't acknowledge and don't know how to and don't have the right people in your life to lean on and be vulnerable with, how would you ever learn? So sad. Mm. And if yeah. you're only strong all the time, you're going to just totally be exhausted. It will yeah. wear you out.
0: Well, it It will. And, and it has. I mean, certainly that's one of the ways that I became aware of the need to have more balance in my life. Nice. Um, it was in my 20s, you know, I, I realized that here I am, I'm just plowing through everything with my teflon exterior and and nobody knows you know that I'm hurting and that comes to the earlier part of our conversation because when you go outside the home of a hijackal and you say these terrible things go on in my house everybody says to you oh that's a terrible thing to say because your parents are so lovely well, they're lovely out there, but they're not so lovely in, in, inside. <laughs>
1: I was telling my mother, when my mother was talking, I was divorcing a, a husband for abuse. And she said, um, well, don't you think you deserve all that abuse? You and your kids are pretty hard to take. She's uh, like, she said, you know, well, he, he washes the dishes and, and he, he bathes the baby and he changes the diapers. And like, who are you to divorce someone like that?
0: Wow, I think, we, shoes, I think we I think we should was keep. A high
1: jackal too, as I've said to you before, I think we had the same mother, but uh.
0: <laughs> sisters and, from and another I mother.
2: We no. know all the people that have those same husbands and wives too. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well let's just put a cap on it there. I think we need to go into another segment here. So stay tuned and we will be back. No matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not-so-good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. Read my book, Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. Okay, so here we are doing a surprising third segment on a topic. This has never happened before on the Relationship Help Show, and I am here with Liberty Forrest and Christine Baumgartner. We are talking about what's happened to us, what's happening in the world around various kinds of abuse. And we started this conversation by talking about Ali Raisman and the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team and their... their um, charges against Larry Nassar. Now we're talking about, well, what was it really like in a home where there was abuse and how did you get any help at all? So we were just hot in the topic. Um, Liberty's just finished what you were saying about, about your mom and, and hers. Just repeat what you said, would you, for those who are just joining us? Well, I
1: was in the middle of uh, divorcing a husband because of abuse and, and uh, she was saying, well, why would you divorce him? He's really a great guy because he, he, he likes to do the cooking and he bathes the baby and he changes diapers and he does all these other wonderful things. And who are you to, to leave somebody like that? And I said, well, he was abusing the kids in me. And he said, and she, or she said, well, don't you think you deserved all that abuse? You and your kids are pretty hard to take. But she was the biggest abuser in my life. Um, and did all sorts of unspeakable things that mothers really don't usually do to their children. And um, thankfully, yes. Uh, so, but but see, and and I, it was normal for me though. Like all I thought when she said that was my children don't deserve that. I was I was indignant. Like they, how could you say that about my children? What do you mean my children deserved it? It didn't even occur to me that I didn't deserve it. It only occurred to me that my children didn't. Because I was just so used to that from her.
0: Right.
1: right. I left because
2: of the abuse toward them, not me. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I didn't know it. I didn't realize it. That's what my mom said. She said she got divorced. She could have never gotten divorced for her, but she got divorced for us.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite common, but I want to address what Liberty just said, too, for everybody who's listening, because for us to be in denial because it's been normalized in our lives by having abusive parents, and I I really mean that, everybody, they were abusive. Hijackles are abusive. People who have personality disorders and mental illnesses can be abusive. It doesn't matter that we can say, oh, that's too bad. They have issues and that we should understand. It's still abuse to the person on whom it's perpetrated. So I really want to demystify that word abuse. Yeah, because
1: it doesn't always look like cigarette burns and broken bones (laughs) and being shoved down the stairs. And it's the emotional, verbal stuff that's so much harder to get over because those words echo through your head for the rest of your life, unless you really work at getting rid of them. You can Mm -hmm. heal from the, I mean, there's, I'm not, I don't mean to minimize physical or sexual abuse either, but it's a a different kind of healing that has to take place with the verbal abuse, the things that you hear and the the damage to your self-esteem and that sort of thing. It just, and it creates a huge ripple effect because as you were saying before, now you keep, um, and, and what Christine, what you do for your work is, you know, working with people who they keep attracting the same people. Been there, done that. So I, I understand that, but there that ripple effect. You know, you keep you keep choosing the same people, or you think you haven't. I thought I hadn't because they look different, different package completely.
0: Yes.
1: But I ended up in the same messes with different relationships, and then my children were being impacted, and uh, the younger ones to a lesser extent because I finally started figuring it out. <laughs> but. But it, it's so insidious in those words that the self esteem issues, and even when you kind of know up here that, oh, these things are not okay and I don't deserve that, somehow deep in here, if that's what you believe, if you believe in your soul that you deserve this, that's a whole other thing and you're not even really aware.
2: Nope.
0: It's true. And, and it just becomes part of who you are until you uncover it. And maybe you hear something like we're talking about today and all of a sudden you go, wow, I think that happened to me. What were you going to say, Christine?
2: The, the whole self-confidence is completely wrapped around what's happened to everyone when they were growing up because it's one of the things I find that when they keep dating men or women that are really wrong for them. And it was for me too, that it didn't matter what I wrote on my profile. It didn't matter what I told people I wanted the same wrong traits for me. kept sitting across the table and it wasn't anything what I was saying or writing. It was what I really realized. Ultimately, it was what I believed it was what I believed. And when we get to the, well, what do you really believe? Then you can do something about it. And the way you get to what do you believe is when you go, well, what keeps showing up as crappy as it is or as hard as it is or as wrong as it is. Cause we always Oh no. And it's not really. And I, so that's when you go to therapy and you get to the, Oh yeah, this is what it is. And then when you get to, this is what it is, we can change the belief because that's what I had to do. But it's horrible how undermined, They are and they go, I don't understand what's wrong with me that this person treats me this way. It's nothing that's wrong with you. You're not broken. It's that this is what you were trained and brainwashed to believe. Mm -hmm. You don't deserve anything different. Mm -hmm. And And
0: such a good such a good thing. And maybe we can use this analogy. It's like if we use a computer analogy, it's like there was some malware there was a virus put in there and it keeps showing up in various times over and over and over in our lives. And what the therapeutic process is, I know with my clients is to go back and find out where was it installed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we, we take it out and put it in a Petri dish and say, do you want this? You know, is this working for you? And if it isn't, let's replace it. Let's get with something that does work. So, so very important for us. And, you know i think that, that people women particularly and i'll i'll speak about that gender because i am one of course but i think that we're we're hardwired and I, I don't think this i know this we're hardwired to nurture and nourish you know so we keep having a little more, oh, well, maybe if I love this person enough, maybe if I'm compassionate, if I'm kind, if I don't make demands, if I don't do these things, they will no longer be verbally, emotionally in any other way abusing me. But the fact of the matter is that you have to stand back from that and say, no, if there is an equality, reciprocity, and mutuality here, there is nothing good going on. And- you can't unnice nice somebody. Out of being a no, you. Can't. I had to figure that out. I went,
2: oh, because I'm this really nice person. Well, I know if I'm just nice enough.
0: No. No. <laughs> no. Work. It's pretty amazing. I was no. like, I what a wake-up call that was. Yes. So great conversation today. I'm going to ask each of you if you have some parting words. And then um, I just want to thank you so much for being here. So let's hear your parting words. Liberty?
1: Well, I would just say, and sort of in keeping with the whole being a psychic thing, I guess, but that's about following, you know, picking up information and that sort of thing. And we often don't. Um, I would just say, listen to your gut, because that it'll never steer you wrong. Um, and that that, if I can just take a second to clarify, a lot of people will say, oh, but my little voice inside is telling me that so-and-so will be mad if I don't do this or that. That's not your little voice. That's guilt. Your little voice will always have your best interests at heart. If something doesn't feel good, listen to it and, and honor it because that is your highest self. That is your soul trying to speak to you, and, and you have to listen. That's
0: great. And I am going to
2: jump on that same thing because women tell me all the time, I can't trust my intuition. It steers me wrong. I go, well, let's look at all those things because it's always 100% when they didn't listen to their intuition. They knew there there was that really good voice going, wait, wait. So I show them how if you really do listen to your intuition, your real true higher self voice, it will never steer you wrong. Stop second guessing it. I just went like, "Oh my gosh, we're so on the same wavelength."
0: <laughs> Great, <laughs> I well, on the same wavelength
2: with a psychic. That's so cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much. And and I just like to end the conversation by saying that if this conversation has awakened you to something that has happened in your life that you now recognize may have been abuse, look further. Get some help. You know, go to forrelationshiphelp.com. Get some help. If you want help from Christine, go to theperfectcatch.com. If you want help from Liberty, go to LibertyForest.com. And remember that has two R's mm-hmm. in forest. So there's help. But if you just woke up and said, I thought I had never realized that that was what the programming that was installed in me was, and maybe it is faulty, maybe it is not anything more than malware and i can install a better program a healthier program something is going to serve me and the rest of the world and my children if i happen to have them better then you want to go for that so we say a big thank you to ali reisman and her strength and her courage to speak up so clearly and to get us on this wonderful path this is dr roberta shaler the relationship help doctor saying goodbye for now and talk soon (laughs) I'm so glad you spent this time with me today. I hope you heard something that touched your heart. You can have the life and relationships that you most want, and that begins within you now, today. I'm always here for you. Life can get better, and you heard that from me, the Relationship Help Doctor, Roberta Shayler. I work with clients throughout the world through video conferencing. We can talk. Learn more at forrelationshiphelp.com. Visit youtube.com slash forrelationshiphelp. And if you want to listen to the show's archives, visit relationshiphelpshow.com. Join me for next week's show. I'll see you then. Talk soon.